0: I'm here this afternoon with Edel Blanks. This session is overdue. Edel is the president of Interlox, which is the largest subsidiary of Latrum. Edel took over, he walked into a bit of a minefield. He took over right before Hurricane Katrina made life here in New Orleans very interesting. Our revenues back then were about $150 million. I'm guessing, I'm estimating that. And they're now about six hundred and sixty million, and that's been organic growth, consistent organic growth under Edel's leadership. So anybody who's interested in business and how to make a business work has to be fascinated by what you're about to hear. Edel, thanks for being here. Thanks a ton. Well it's great to be here, John. Edel, you know, I'm betting that when you were young at, and, and your parents were talking to you, mine didn't say work really hard in school so that someday you can be in the modular plastic conveyor belt business. And I bet yours didn't either.
1: No, no. <laughs> no, in fact, today when uh, people ask me what I do for a living and I say, um, you know, well, we sell conveyor belts, you can see that look in their eyes like, oh, my God, I can't believe a uh, Ask that guy this question. I hope he doesn't uh,
0: go on and <laughs> on. He the subject. And so, and yeah, and you had, you were starting a really successful career as an attorney in New Orleans at a prestigious firm and you had a, a great practice brewing. Something drew you to this company at a time when it took a little more imagination than it does now to see the attraction of the company. What was it?
1: Well, I think there were, Uh, a few things uh, going on, Um, and I think one lesson I learned from that uh, practicing law was that while I worked with wonderful people, uh, hardworking, I learned a lot about uh, how important it is to have a level of professionalism dealing with customers. Um, I never really liked what I was doing. Um, I was good at it, but I just didn't like it, and I couldn't quite figure out why, but it it was depressing to me. Um, and then at one point, you know, someone reached out to me and said, well, gee, Latrum may be interested. Uh, why don't you talk to them? And I, I had actually never heard of the company. Um, I had known you, John, a bit, and I met you and others at Latrum, and that began to influence me. Uh, and then I met Jay LaPere, uh, the owner, and, uh, and it was just a, an incredible discussion uh, to me. Uh, you know, Jay kept talking about running the business by principles rather than by authority, uh, by thinking long-term, by eliminating politics and work. And I, uh, you know, at, at first I really didn't believe it. Um, and then I continued to have discussions with people and thought, well, well, damn, that sounds like a lot more fun than what I'm doing. Uh, I thought it could be a special business. And the, so I was drawn to the culture and the and the principles. And it turned out that that Jay was telling the truth about how he was gonna run the business. and.
0: Uh, Has it, has it changed? What, I don't mean has the company changed because it obviously has, but has, has the nature of your attraction to the company evolved over the years?
1: I think that core foundation of the principles and the values stays the same and continues to attract me. I think that is, in fact, it's one of the things I worry about the most is losing that somehow that when you're a small company and it's, you know, everybody in the company and, it's one thing, you can trust everyone, it's good, but as you get bigger and bigger, you know, things can go wrong. You can have leaders in places who don't really believe in the principles. Uh, there's a temptation to add bureaucracy, to, to add uh, you know, people, their egos get bigger than they should. Um, they begin to believe their own bullshit. <laughs> you know, all kinds of nonsense happens. So that's, I hope, to me, the, the part of
0: the attraction is keeping the culture as we grow. And if you were gonna describe the culture of our company, you, you've already come into the space a little bit, any, any vital few, if you were telling a stranger what are the, the key elements of the Latrum or Interlox company culture, what would you say? For me, it is about a belief
1: in the potential of people, of each individual, that each person has that thing they're really good at and that, that they're and that thing they're passionate about. And if you can find that, intersection, that's where people get fulfillment from work, where they make the biggest contribution. But the, the, the deeper part of that is that if you believe that about each person, then it follows you're going to treat people with dignity and respect. And I think that's the basis of
0: many of our, of our principles. What's hard about driving a successful culture? Because every, everything you're saying, I, I doubt anybody would argue against, and yet it's pretty rare. What, what makes it hard, do you think?
1: Well, I, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. There's a, there's a great deal of stress in, in business. A lot of things have to work for it to be successful. Uh, so you, you have to add customer value. Uh, you have to find uh, people who are willing to work together and play to their strengths. Uh, you have to figure out what happens when you hit adversity which is tough because that's when, you know, suddenly people will throw others under the bus and the us and them thinking intervenes. So I, I think while it's natural that you say gee, I just want to work with people who believe in these principles, I think it is a constant reminder of, you know, I do think a refresher course, if you will, and a constant reminder of, you know, the values are what really matters. The soft items matter uh, certainly as much as the, as the hard items. You know, so if you think about a team, it's easy to say, well, what's the scoreboard? Have we hit our profit metrics? Have we hit our sales numbers? And all that stuff. But it's the other things. You know, are they are we thinking long term? Does the team get along? Do they trust each other? And those are things that are hard to measure, but they are really, to me, the the most important.
0: And you talk sometimes about soft values. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's just what I was was hitting at that there's so much pressure to, to, to be profitable. And there's so much competition in the world today. Things move so much fast that, you know, we gotta hit our numbers, gotta hit our numbers. But you can really mess up by doing that. You can really think short term. You can have the wrong incentives in place. and But that's what most people focus on. Yet really, to me, it should be the other way around. You have to have the profits, obviously. You want to keep an eye on the scoreboard. But it's more important to keep an eye on the things that get you there, which I believe are the of the softer values of teamwork, honesty, effort, trust,
0: those, those kinds of things. And it's not right. as if you haven't hit the numbers. The numbers have been amazing, and yet you're doing it through the focus on the soft values. You're not, you're not ignoring no, no. The, the hard the hard values, <laughs> no. but, you're, but you're not ignoring the soft values I, either. I, I think
1: that's, well, yeah, you have to, you certainly want to keep an eye on the scoreboard, and you know if you're not uh, profitable, you know, bad things happen. Uh, you have to generate the profits for the business to grow. I think that if you think long-term and focus on the, on the soft
0: values, that you actually get better results than if you do the opposite. You know, there are a lot of people in business and most people in business at a certain stage, usually at a pretty young stage, think, well, I want to be the CEO. And that's a pretty natural thing. A lot of people who've observed real CEOs pretty closely, and if they're introspective and they've reached a certain age, they may say, "Wow, <laughs> that's a pretty hot kitchen." Uh, and I've seen you go into some pretty hot kitchens. Just you know, we're a beautiful workplace, but sometimes we have challenges. Uh, Katrina was a good example. The financial crisis was another example. And there just when changes creates opportunities for stress. What's the experience of serving as a CEO? What is what is the how stressful is it, and what's, what's the compensation? Well,
1: I think the, uh, a few things, you know, one of the things that I, I learned back when I was a, a lawyer and hated it was that doing something you, you don't like isn't, isn't fun and you're not is a miserable experience. So you have to, I think, no matter what you're doing, it doesn't really matter. You have to think about, you have to be introspective to say, is that something I want to do or is that something that I would uh, enjoy and be good at? So that's that's first. I think often, as leaders, any leader, you have to think about what you're good at and and what you're not good at. And so part of it is putting the team together that so you have players that collectively can really uh, you know do well and kick butt. Because if you imagine that you're going to do it all, um, I think you're going to melt down. So. I would say an element of introspection. If I were giving advice to, to people about what you enjoy doing and good at, and also, what's the team look like? Because you can't do anything alone these days. I think it's very difficult. Uh, so really, working with others is a is a big part of it. And I think when you do that, good things happen. I think if you imagine, well, I got to take it all on myself. I'm going to put all this pressure on myself. I'm going to do things that I'm really not that good at. Even if you are the CEO, I think. You know, it's, it's not going to be
0: fun, it's going to be stressful, and you're probably not going to do well. When you find yourself saying, wow, I like what I just saw, what are the kind of situations where that becomes true? I think the, uh, to me, the, the two things that, that come to my mind. First
1: is when you see people rise to the occasion, um, whether it's during Hurricane Katrina or whether it's solving a thorny uh, operational issue or whether we've made a mistake and we're recovering from it or whether somebody does heroic work with uh, innovation. To see people you're working with thrive uh, is really a, an incredible experience and, and, and inspirational. I think the, the others is, is when there's a problem that's been solved. I, I get a particular joy out of Something that's been messy or hard and it's resolved. It's it's I don't know if it's just a release. No, sort or of a new clarity. New clarity. Okay. Um, the, the, I also would say that the the most fun to me is is the creative process of business. Yeah. You know, people imagine yeah. that business is somehow all about numbers and you know and and it's only the artists and the musicians and the and the actors who get to have the fun of uh, creating. But it, it's not. You know. Amen. I mean. Uh, business is
0: very creative what kind of people do you find yourself getting excited about what when you see this habit or this, be, this behavior by a person you want to invest in that person
1: I think someone who's well-intentioned I think yeah. that's a big uh, a big thing someone who is a uh, uh, introspective uh, I also think sometimes uh, you know people have strengths that maybe there's some quirkiness attached to it and so there may be some offsetting weakness But to see that quirkiness and that strength utilized uh, is, um, I just think, a wonderful thing to see.
0: Changing subjects a little bit. Edel, I've just been a, so for the audience, Edel is my boss, you'll think I'm buttering him up, but I don't, Edel can testify. (laughs) But Edel, as as a noticer of you, over the years I see what focus you give to the customers and creating a win for our customers. Is there some way to articulate, how would you define what the the responsibility you feel toward an Interlox customer?
1: I, I, I think the entire business really needs to begin or should begin with the customer and what value are we bringing. That sounds kind of corny, but it really is the, the essence of what we do and are we can we put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and then say, okay, what problem do we have or what bottleneck do we have? And then can we, as, as interlocks, fill it, um, whether that's through our services, uh, whether it's through preventing downtime, whether it's improving food safety, de-risking conveyors against um, uh, hygienic issues, uh, improving sortation systems, Whatever those items are, I find that, uh, and that, that's again where the creative process comes in. It is. You start saying, okay, my God, there's a problem. Then you realize, wow, we don't really have a good solution here. Maybe we can help.
0: It's interesting how well this business lends itself to relatively short-term problem solving, yeah. which is a nice feedback loop. All right, same question about shareholders. How, would, how do you think about your, your sense of stewardship for them or your re, uh, sense of accountability to shareholders?
1: Well, I mean, I think the,
0: the, the job is to be accountable to the
1: shareholders and to improve the, the value of the company. I think we're fortunate that the shareholders are long-term, rational uh, shareholders, so we're not dealing with bullshit, sort of quarterly uh, stuff and nonsense. We're, we're able to make decisions for the long-term uh, health of the business, which, again, I think adds more value to the, to the business over time. So, I I see that as the role of, of management, and also to to assess risk. You know, not to take a uh, big risk um, and to alert the shareholders of look, you know, we're thinking about this, but this could be risky. Or let's let's I'm worried about this. You know, to to, uh, to alert them about what, what could go wrong because you know, a big mistake is uh, you know can can hurt a
0: business. Yeah, and it's a violation of your sense of stewardship. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So this podcast is called The Triple Win Workplace. We've talked about customer wins. We've talked about shareholder wins. don't let me not put words in your mouth. How would you try to express the sense of obligation you feel toward Interlox employees? Well, I, I step back a bit and say, okay,
1: what are we trying to do? And part of what we're trying to do here is to create an environment where self-managed, motivated people can thrive. Um, I don't know that it's the job of, of leadership to to make someone succeed, but ideally we can have an environment where again self-managed people can can thrive. And I think when that happens, you get all kinds of good benefits. You know, you're working with people you trust and respect. Um, you're creating an environment that's that's fun to work in. But also when you're successful and you have the incentives set up correctly. Um, and your sharing is, you know, a, a heavy percentage of the profits as we do, you know, people can make more money. Uh, they can advance. And I think that's, that's fun. And then if you really believe in the idea of the highest and best use of each individual and you're trying to find that thing where somebody is, they're, they're passionate about it and they're good at it and they can do more of that, that usually leads to a lot of individual
0: fulfillment. So, Edel, the, the final person who has to win from all this is you, right? You're making a major, you know, you have a high opportunity cost. You making a major commitment of your life to this. What is the win for you? I, I, I don't really think about that much. It, it's kind of strange. I think because I enjoy
1: what I do and because I have found fulfillment in work here in providing the value we provide to customers, to the, the people I work with, I have so much uh, respect and admiration Um, and i've learned a lot from the people i work with i have seen employees here do incredible things go through incredible hardships with grace for me i get joy out of that
0: so it's easy for me to to find a win it's hard to for me to picture you retiring i bet whatever whatever your departure or wind down may be i bet it doesn't look like the traditional gold watch sort of gig and i hope it's not soon but whenever it comes whenever you're winding down your engagement with Intralox, what would you like to be able to look back on and say i am proud that this happened <laughs> well it's you know
1: there's an element of uh when um you know, when I, when I became the president of Intralox, I, I, I don't know that this was a very lofty goal, but the goal was kind of not to screw it up. You know, we had a great team in place, and uh, so I don't know how aspirational that was, uh, but I would like to say that we didn't screw up the, uh, the, the values and the philosophy, because I think that's a big deal. And I think as the world's become more complicated, we have more competitors, we've grown bigger, I'd like to look back and say that is still very much intact. In I think the other would be that we've had some success in creating some new value for our customers. We've grown, um, and that it's still a great place to work. It would be disappointing if that if that didn't happen.
0: Anything you wish I had asked. This is your moment on the famous Triple Win Workplace podcast. We have a, a listenership of in the hundreds, <laughs> and uh, anything you. This is your moment in the sun. Anything you wish I had asked.
1: No, I think one of the things I've been more aware of lately has been the, the, the crazy political system and seeing the extremes in politics. And I realize that's probably not the purpose of your podcast, but I could go on and on about, about how, how bad that is and how both political parties, it's all about winning and losing, yet both try to occupy this high moral ground of leadership somehow, and they're the ones that are gonna save us from all this calamity around us. Yet the reality is, um, you know, what we're trying to do, what we do is the exact opposite of that. You know, when we have a problem, we don't say, we're trying to win it or lose it. We're trying to actually define the problem, identify possible solutions, and solve it. And we don't do that by hurling invective at each other, insulting each other, uh, never, you know, so we don't do that. Uh, The us and them thinking that just is everywhere now. We don't believe in that. You know, we believe in treating people as individuals. Uh, so I, I like to think that we are a model for uh, how businesses should be, but also it, it, a model for how life should be. And I think it's, it's something that no one's talking about today because um, somehow we're lost in uh, this Twitter world and uh, social media and uh, this winning
0: and losing. Edel, you know, that's a great way to end. Thank you very much. Thanks, John.